Tonight I'd like to uh, look at a verse of scripture in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 21. As we read this, it may seem uh, simple as we look at the surface, but I'd like to go a little deeper in it and uh, see if we can see what's below uh, the surface. But Luke chapter 21. And, uh, well, let me just... Just read the first four verses of Luke 21. And he looked up and saw the rich men casting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw also a certain poor widow casting in their two mites. And he said, of a truth I say unto you that this poor widow has cast in more than they all. For all these have of their abundance cast into the offering of God. But she of her penury has cast, cast in all the living that she had. So we can look at it at face value there. But as I said, I'd like to, to go into it a little deeper and, uh, and see uh, what it's maybe talking about. Uh, course we know it's talking about a poor widow and in contrast to that rich men and uh, you know has some things that comes to mind this is what the Lord chose he could have chose just a poor woman didn't have to be a widow oh, well I shouldn't say didn't have to be a widow but he could have could have said a poor woman who was not a widow. He could have used that. But he said a poor widow and rich men. So this is in contrast. But it also could have said a poor widow and poor men. But didn't say that either. So a contrast here is the poor widow and rich men. I think it's important to understand who this widow is and also the rich men, who they are. Uh, Lord willing, if we don't get too, too long, I'd like to read scripture that says a rich man cannot enter into the kingdom. So if that's true, and it's in the scriptures, so we believe that it's true, a rich man cannot enter into the kingdom. So then I want to ask you something to make us think. You wouldn't want to be that rich man, would you? I mean, if you're not going to enter in the kingdom, you wouldn't want to be that, would you? So it says a rich man cannot enter into the kingdom. So... If I would get my pencil out, or my ink pen, and ask each one of you, I'm going to write it down here, how many dollars do you have to have before you're a rich man? If you got, if, if you got one dollar under, you're okay. If you got one dollar over, if we take us literally, can't enter in the kingdom. So do you really think it's talking about dollars and cents? Again, 
A rich man cannot enter into the kingdom. I think if it was talking about literal dollars and cents, Mike, I would want to know that number. I would want to know what that number is. I wouldn't want to go over it. I'd want to get as close as I could to it, but I wouldn't want to go over it. I think, can't we all agree on that? If a rich man could not enter the kingdom, we wouldn't want to be a rich man. But we'd want to know what that number is if it was talking about literal dollars and cents. We'll see. I don't believe it's speaking about money. But uh, we'll talk about the rich man and uh, we'll see some things about the rich man. Again, the... Uh, it could have said a poor widow or a poor woman and a poor man, but it didn't. Poor widow and a rich man. And that's what the Lord has recorded for us, and I think we need to understand it. So this rich man, what, what is it about him? So again, does that, you say, well, a rich man, you know, he's, uh, uh, oh, you can say all these things about him, but again, what, what dollar figure do we have? He's a rich man. So are you okay if you're here, but all of a sudden you go over that, that dollar mark, and boy, you're just a different person. Terry, I don't, I don't think so. I, I, don't think, I, just, I just don't think it's that at all. But we'll read in the scriptures some characteristics of rich man. And I think you'll see it's not talking about dollars and cents. But it tells us something about the rich man. So that's our comparison. Poor widow, rich man. So we need to understand the characteristics of the rich man and the characteristics of who is this widow. I think we need to understand both of them before we can fully understand the scriptures. Uh, let's go to, and we may come back to this, but let's go to, to the book of James chapter 2. This will tell something about a rich man. And before I read it, uh, again, do you really think it's dollars and cents that qualifies someone as a rich man? And if they get over a certain threshold, does that all of a sudden change things? So, book of James... And this tells us some characteristics of a rich man. Uh, James 2 and verse 6. But ye have despised the poor. And listen. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats? Do not they blaspheme that worthy name by which ye are called? So... Again, I, if we're talking about dollars and cents, please tell me what it is. I'd like, it's important to know. But this really not talking about that, is it? It says a characteristic of the rich man is one that blasphemes that worthy name by which you are called. So if we find those that blaspheme, that worthy name by which you're called, we can put the label on rich man, regardless of how many dollars and cents they've got. This is a characteristic of a rich man. Uh, 
So let's keep this in mind. And again, if we think of dollars and cents, does that, so I, I'm $1 below, and I'm speaking the truth, and I'm speaking the truth about the Lord, and I get $1 above, now I'm a rich man, and I'm going to blaspheme? People that just, it's just not that. We know it's, it's not that. But to one that does blaspheme that holy name by which you're called, I don't care how many dollars and cents they got, they probably got a dollar, no cents, <laughs> if they're blaspheming the holy name by which you're called. But that's a rich man, according to scriptures. So I think we need to keep that in mind. First uh, Timothy talks about uh, some riches and, and, and things and trusting in them and so forth. First Timothy. Again, I want us to go and think a little deeper than what we would just read on the surface of that. First Timothy. Six. And verse 17. Charge then that are rich in this age. That they be not high minded. Nor trust in uncertain riches. But in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. So it says. Uh, charge them that are rich in this age. Again, you think it's dollars and cents. Charge that they be not high-minded or trust in uncertain riches. You say, well, maybe they think that if they've got enough dollars and cents and they're rich, then they can trust in that to get them to heaven. You know, I, I, I don't know. I've never heard anyone actually believing they can buy their way to heaven. Uh, maybe they think they can give, give enough to a denomination or something. I don't know. But I really don't. I, I've never seen that. It may exist, but I've never seen it. And I certainly don't believe that's what this is talking about. But it says, so these, and it also says high-minded. We won't go into that this evening, but it'd be a good thing for you to study. Nor trust in uncertain riches. So by this, it's okay to trust in riches, just not in uncertain riches. Can't we say that? Charge them that are rich in this age that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches. So there's a riches we can trust in, but don't trust in the uncertain riches. But you trust in, as it says here, the living God. So if we're trusting in uncertain riches, we're not trusting in the living God. Again, if you think it's talking about dollars and cents, so once you, you, you're $1 under Terry, but once you get $1 over, then you're your rich man, you're trusting in uncertain riches, it doesn't fit. The dollars and cents just doesn't fit. It's not consistent with the scriptures. But there's some that trust in uncertain riches. And we're to charge, we're to point that out. Some trust in God, some trust in uncertain riches. So what is the uncertain riches? Or what is the certain riches, I guess, we could look at. But what is the uncertain riches is what we'll look at. 
And I'd like to go to the book of Proverbs, chapter 13. We spent a lot of years studying the book of Proverbs, and what a blessing it was. Well, it was terrifying as I started out teaching in the book of Proverbs, but what blessings uh, certainly uh, is, is there and is loaded with. Proverbs 13. So we're, we're wanting to look at riches. Uncertain riches, oh, we're to charge people that trust in uncertain riches, point that out. We would point out to one another that we wouldn't be guilty of trusting in uncertain riches. But again, do you think it's dollars and cents? What is, what riches is it? Okay, so Proverbs 13 and verse 7. There is he that maketh himself rich, yet hath nothing. There is he that maketh himself poor, yet hath great riches. I think we see that in, in the, uh, the, the, uh, the poor widow. She was poor. I think we'll see she had great riches. But the rich man really had nothing. And again, I don't believe it's dollars and cents. So, let me read 7 and 8 together. There is he that maketh himself rich, yet hath nothing. There is he that maketh himself poor, yet hath great riches. The ransom of a man's life are his riches. The ransom of a man's life are his riches. What is the ransom of your life? We, we know the answer to that. We, we know who paid our ransom. We know that. The Lord Jesus Christ is the ransom of my life. The Lord Jesus Christ is the ransom of your life. So in that sense, well, we'll get to a little later. We're poor yet. Oh, that, wouldn't, that would not be the uncertain riches. The, the ransom of man's life are his riches. So... If Jesus Christ, you see that he's the ransom of your life, uh, that would not be the uncertain riches. But other things, if people look to other things as the ransom of their life, as they do, as you talk to people, as you listen to them on television, radio, Facebook, if you're not in Facebook jail, <laughs> but... but uh, You'll see people, they'll talk about Jesus Christ and everything, but you'll see, if you listen to them very long, he's not really the ransom of their life. That Their salvation is based on something else. And that's their riches. And that's the uncertain riches. But that's the rich man. Let's go to, uh, we're familiar with this, but uh, 1 Peter, uh, uh, 1 Peter chapter uh, 1, I think it is. First Peter chapter 1. So we saw a ransom of man's life are his riches. So here in uh, First Peter 
chapter 1, verse uh, 18. For as much as you know, we're not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from your vain conversation received by traditions from your fathers. So I said, you, you know this. You know you're, you're not redeemed. You're the ransom of your soul because the ransom of our life, that's our riches, right? So this says the ransom of your soul. You're not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold. And you think, well, okay, some of them didn't believe then that they were ransomed by silver and gold. No, not that simple either. You say, well, that's what it says. Some, some are. Well, I won't take the time to go back there. But in the Old Testament, in one place in Exodus, the 30th chapter, I think it's recorded other places. We'll go back there. But God tells them when they get to be 20 years old to give a half shekel of silver as atonement for their souls. And you think, well, I mean, that's, when I first saw that, I just, so God told them. This wasn't a tradition or anything like that. God said, you're 20 years, <coughs> when you get to be reached 20 years and older, you'd give a half shekel of silver as a ransom for your soul. So then, is our ransom gold and silver then? Well, this says no. For as much as you know, you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold. So, this was under the law that he told them this. Because it says like silver and gold from your vain conversation received by traditions from your fathers. Well, what did they see, receive by traditions from the fathers? The law of Moses. And in the law of Moses, you would give a half, it said, give a half shekel silver as atonement for your souls. So really then, did gold and silver redeem them? Was gold and silver ransom for the souls? No. Well, why did God have that put in there? Everything in the Old Testament is types and shadows. See, they used that, that gold and the silver, the half shekel they gave, to go into the tabernacle. As they, they, the different uh, the boards and the sockets that they covered with silver and everything. Hell, when Israel saw that, what did they say? Oh, that's, that's atonement. That's where my atonement went. Now, we know Israel didn't understand, of course, at that time, but that was atonement. But now we know who paid for our atonement. All that in the tabernacle was pointing to Jesus Christ. He is our atonement. So it says here, uh, you weren't redeemed with corruptible things like gold and silver. That's what they would think. But how were we redeemed? What is the riches of the ransom of our soul? Well, verse 19, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. That's the ransom of our soul. That's a man's riches are the ransom of his soul. That's the riches. That's not the this is not the uncertain riches. Who was verily foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. So, uh, we see 
the ransom of our soul is Jesus Christ. And that's our riches. The ransom of a man's life is his riches. But others, what's the ransom of... We know Jesus Christ is a ransom. We know he's the way. But others think keeping the law of Moses is the way. That's their riches. And I'll tell you what, that's uncertain riches. <laughs> Make the right decision. Take the first step. Turn over new leaf. No smoking, no drinking, no coffee, no caffeine, no light bread. Don't get angry. And the list goes on and on and on. This is the way to heaven. This is being a good Christian. See, that's their riches. That's the ransom of the soul. And they're rich in it. They are rich in that. They're rich in self-righteousness and it's uncertain riches. And that's our comparison uh, in what we're studying tonight. So they have great possessions. I, uh, let's read somebody else that had great possessions in the book of Philippians chapter 3. I was going to just discuss it, but let's, let's go look at it. Philippians chapter 3. Somebody here that had great possessions. So then, that was his riches. That was the uncertain riches. But we'll see that got rid of all that Became poor, but yet at that time becoming rich. So somebody that had a lot of riches, that was a rich man with uncertain riches. Philippians chapter 3, this is, was, this is Apostle Paul who was previously Saul of Tarsus. And he's talking about when he was Saul of Tarsus, before he was converted, before his eyes was opened. The great riches that he had, and, and look at it. Verse 4, though I might also have confidence in the flesh... If any, man, uh, if any other man thinketh that he hath reason of which he might trust in flesh, I more trusting in something. And Terry, we're going to see trusting in his flesh is trusting in uncertain riches. Rich man had, had a lot, but yet had nothing. Verse 5, he says, Oh, I was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee. You know, the Pharisees, they knew the letter of the law inside and out. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Boy, how rich was I. I had a lot. Very rich. But we'll know as far as the ransom of his soul, he was poor, wasn't he? Didn't have anything. But yet, would have been labeled rich man. Certainly would have been blaspheming that holy name by which you are called. That's what is persecuting the church. Well, we got rid of the ringleader, that Jesus guy. Now we'll round up the rest of them and put them out. Certainly blaspheme that holy name. He's a rich man. But the Lord wasn't going to leave him in that position. He was, so he was rich, but had nothing. Now we're going to see him made poor, but have plenty. In verse 7, But what things were gained to me, 
I count loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. He suffered all the loss of, oh, I'm a Pharisee, touching righteousness in the law, I'm better than any of yous. Oh, I can trace my genealogies back of the tribe of Benjamin, back to Abraham. But he said, I suffered the loss of, of all that. He was rich in it. And he trusted in those uncertain riches. But he said, I suffered the loss of all that. And he says, and do count them but refuge or dung. So now he suffered the loss of all that. But he says, I count it as dung. Now I see it's dung. I, none of that stuff is of any value for the ransom of my soul. I just count it as dung. It has no value for that. Well, what does then? He says, that I may win Christ and be found in him. Not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which cometh through the faith of Christ, the righteous, which is of God by faith. So not the righteous in the law, touch not, taste not, handle not, but righteousness in, in, in Christ. And that's where riches, that's where the true riches is. Uh, Matthew chapter 19. I don't know about, this is fascinating to me. I don't know about you, but it's, it's fascinating to me as we see these things come together. Matthew chapter 19. As we see below the surface of what we would first read. Matthew chapter 19. And uh, so here we have my Bible labels that labels it the rich young ruler. And you know, uh, you've no doubt have studied this. But let's go slip for time's sake, go over to verse 21. Jesus saith unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell what thou hast, and give to the poor. And thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. So this is the man went to the Lord and said, Well, what must I do to go to heaven and everything like that? And he says, the first thing he tells them, he says, get rid of what you've got. He says, sell what you have. Now that word sell could be a barter, trade, or whatever like that. But the point is, you're getting rid of what you've got, and you're getting something else in return for it. He says, sell what you have, and then what you get in return for that... Give to the poor. Take that with Saul of Tarsus. What did the Lord call Saul of Tarsus to do? Get rid of what you've got. And what you get in return, then you give that to the poor. And that's exactly what he has done. The Lord used Apostle Paul to feed us poor that have nothing of our own. Uh... So Jesus said to him, if thou will be perfect, go and sell what thou hast. Get rid of what you've got. And then what you get in, in return for that, then you give that to the poor. And thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. So in the Apostle Paul, he got rid of what he had. The Lord, the Lord caused him, of course. He got rid of what he had. 
And then what he got in return for that was grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he gave and gave and gave that. And Apostle Paul will have treasure in heaven. And, and says, come and follow me. And certainly he did. Uh, but when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Paul had great possessions. But there was a difference there. Paul, after he got rid of him, he says, I count as dung. This man was clinging on to his great possessions. And I don't think it's talking about earthly possessions. I think it's talking about the same possessions Paul had. My self-righteousness. My righteousness in the law. All those things that he was rich in, he didn't want to let go of them. And unless the Lord calls us, we won't let go of them. And let me just say that. So he said in verse 23, And, and said, uh, then said Jesus to his disciples, Very, verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. We can study about which kingdom and everything like that. But these riches, again, we're talking about a rich man. We're not talking about dollars and cents. We don't know what that is, do we? We don't know what the threshold is. But we know about this, this rich man that he would blaspheme that holy name by which you are called. We know Saul of Tarsus was a rich man. He had all the self-righteousness in the law. But a rich man hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And then, again, talk to his disciples, 24, And again I say unto you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter in the kingdom of God. Now, I know I've heard people say, and I don't believe this, well, there's a certain rock formation over there, and the camel could get down on his knees, and he could go through it, but it's kind of hard for him. They call that the eye of the needle. I don't believe that's what this is talking about at all. I believe we're looking at a literal needle and a literal camel. And he says, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of that needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. A rich man is not going to enter that way by his riches. So then, but listen, verse 25, when his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, who then can be saved? And that's, Terry, that's a, that's a good question. And he tells them it's easier for, he, he may have held up a needle. I'll hold up a CD. It's a little bigger than a needle, but we still use that. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of this CD for, than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven by his riches. And the disciple says, well, maybe some of the questions we talked about, well, who can enter in then? They may have said, how many dollars and cents do we have to have for a rich? I don't, I don't know what all the conversation was, but they asked a very good question. Well, who then can enter in? And listen to verse 26, the Lord's answer. But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, with men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. See, that's what he's saying. That getting to heaven by man is impossible. Saul of Tarsus thought you could get to heaven by man. Much of the religious world thinks that you can get to heaven by man. But that's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. That's what it's saying. So those who are ignorant 
of God's righteousness, going about to establish their own righteousness. They're rich in their self-righteousness, and it's uncertain riches. And they will blaspheme that name, holy name, by which you're called. Because, you know, they'll, say, they'll be telling you all these things you have to do to get to heaven, clean up your life and everything, and you'll say, well, wait a minute. I believe that, we're, that God gave us Jesus Christ before the foundation of the world. And he's going to present us wholly without blame before him in love. And you know what they'll say? Well, you're saying you can just go do whatever you want to do. They'll, they'll uh, talk about the scripture and Peter, James, slipped my mind now. But that uh, says, uh, God's not willing that any would perish. But yet we know some are going to perish. What a blasphemy thing to say about God. Now what that's saying, and Peter says, God, God not willing any of us would perish. There's they's and them's that are going to perish. They were ordained for that. So I don't want to go into that study this evening. But there are many that are established in their own self-righteousness. And, and that's the ransom of their soul. That's what they look to as the ransom of the soul, their own self-righteousness. That's their riches. And they're rich men. But they'll not enter in that way. How are we going to enter in? Well, it's impossible with man, but with God, all things are possible. Uh, okay, so, well, don't have much time left. Uh, so the poor, so we talked about the rich man. So the comparison was poor widow, rich man. It could have been poor widow and poor man, but it wasn't. What it, Mike, what he gave us to study here tonight was a poor widow and a rich man. We looked at the rich man. Hell, it wasn't dollars and cents. The ransom of their life, that's their riches. And they're trusting in those uncertain riches. And they've got, Saul Tarsus had a lot of those riches, didn't they? A lot of people today are clinging on to those riches. I don't get angry more. don't do this anymore. So we talked about the rich man. But how about the poor widow? So who's, so we looked at the rich man. We kind of see who that is. It could be a rich man. It could be a rich woman. Rich, we see what the rich is. But what about the widow? Go to Romans chapter 7. Widow is one that she is dead as far as the husband or that which she was married to. Dead to that which she was married to. We read this a lot here in Romans chapter 7. It fits in with our lesson again tonight, so we'll look at it tonight. Romans chapter 7. So here, the Apostle Paul, no longer Saul of Tarsus, <laughs> so now the Apostle Paul is talking to some other people. And he's talking to some people that knows the law, the letter of the law. But he's going to explain it to them what it's really saying. So, Romans 7 and 1. Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law. So they know the law, and he's going to refresh their memory a little bit about certain things in the law, and he's going to explain it to them. How that the law hath dominion over man as long as he liveth. 
For the woman who hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. So then, while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. So she becomes dead to the law. She's a widow. Now, so he, he, he told him this. You understand these things in the law. Now, verse 4, he says, but I'm going to explain to you what it's talking about. Verse 4. Wherefore, my brethren, ye are become dead to the law. You're a widow. By the body of Christ, that you should be married to another. Who, who we're going to be married to? We're, we're separated, we're dead to the law, separated from that, not joined to it anymore. That we, we were married to it, we were joined to it. But these, you should be married to another. Who? Even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. When we were married to the law, when we were joined to the law, we didn't bring forth fruit unto God. But we become a widow, dead to the law, married to another, that we bring forth fruit unto God. For when we were in the flesh, now Paul's speaking here and he's speaking past tense, when we were in the flesh, he's not talking about flesh and bones because he was still there, standing or sitting, he was still in his physical body, but he's speaking past tense and is including himself. When we... When we were in the flesh, when was it? Oh, we read about in Philippians, the third chapter, when he was in the flesh, trusting in his genealogies, trusting in his righteousness in the law. That's when he was in the flesh. When we were in the flesh, the sinful impulses which were by the law did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. But remember, when we're dead to that, Married to Christ, we bring forth fruit unto God. Verse 6, But now you are delivered from the law, dead to it, that being dead in which you were held, that you should serve in the newness of the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. So now we're, we're dead to the law. We become a widow and espoused to Jesus Christ. But we become a widow. And let me just get ahead of myself. A poor widow. Terry, as you know, we don't have anything of our own. <laughs> don't have anything of our own. So I pray that you are a poor widow, that you no longer cling to those riches of self-righteousness and those things under the letter of the law. I, I pray that we're dead to that, that we're a widow. And we're a poor widow. Uh, and we're going to have to hurry. We're out of time here. Uh, so, poor widow. This widow cast in all her living. Said she cast in everything. Has God given you the faith that you just cast in everything? You're completely poor. You have nothing.
And that's what she did. And that's what we are. In ourselves, we have nothing. As far as my salvation, I, I can't. Ella, you and I was talking about, uh, I don't know, maybe it's Wayne Cap or somebody. We talk about turning over a new leaf, and he said that leaf just as dirty on one side as it is the other side. So we have nothing in ourselves. We're totally depraved. We can't take the first step. The scripture says we would uh, uh, choose darkness rather than light. So we cast in all, Lord, I, I have nothing. The blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, that says she's cast in uh, all her living. That word living, uh, I think the Greek is pronounced something bios or something like that, but it means present state of existence. What scripture is it says is in him we live and move and have our being. We, ca we cast in everything. I, I have nothing. I have nothing to give. I, am, I depend on another to pay my way. Have nothing. Cast it all uh, on to him. Let me, uh, real quick, he, uh, Psalms 51. You know, Hebrew says we offer the sacrifice, the praise, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. That's the sacrifice we offer. The fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. That's the sacrifice that, that we offer. But uh, Psalms 51 and uh, so Hebrew said we offer the uh, sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Now when Saul had all his riches, he wasn't doing that. But when he changed into Paul, he did. So here, Psalm 51 and verse 15. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. So even in this, can, can you see how poor this individual was? Lord, if you open my lips, Lord, if you put the words in there, my mouth shall show forth thy praise. But Lord, unless you open my mouth, unless you put the words in there, I won't give praise to you. I'll give praise to man and my self-righteousness and, and those riches and wallow in it. Uh, oh Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else I would give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. The sacrifice, oh, listen to this. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a contrite heart of God that will not displease. Uh, a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Uh, oh, so, many more, so much more I wanted to bring out. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar. We see him, the king and he has a dream. Daniel interprets a dream. Yeah, you're going to, uh, uh, king is going to be taken away from you, and you're going to spend till seven times, seven seasons pass over, and the king is going to be taken away, but then it's going to be restored to you again. You're going to live like an animal out there. And uh, the king thought about that for 12 months, it tells us. 
And he was walking on his porch one day and looked at the calendar, whatever it was, lined the sun up with something, I don't know. But it had been 12 months. And he said, wait a minute. I built this kingdom. My might and my power and my majesty. No one's going to take it away. Is that a, a broken heart and contrite spirit, or is that a heart filled with pride? Well, that's pride. Uh, was uh, Proverbs 12? Pride says, our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? There's no Lord over me. I'm a free moral agent. I do all this stuff. That's pride. And that's what Nebuchadnezzar had. But the Lord changed him from this pride to a contrite spirit. Then later he, he says, his mind, the Lord returned his mind to him. And he says, the Lord rules in the armies of heaven among the inhabitants of the earth. And he said, we're all as nothing. So the Lord changed him from proud to a contract spirit. And that this, that's what this says here. All the sacrifices of God are a broken and a contrite spirit and heart. And that's what the, the, the widow might she just cast it all in. I don't, I don't have anything. My self-righteousness can't do it. I, I don't have anything. Just cast it all in. My faith is only on him. So, a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Uh, I won't go there. The book of Daniel. Remember Daniel saw this vision of God? And he says, so what happened when Daniel saw this vision of God? What happened to Daniel? He says, I retained no strength. Nothing he had to offer, retained no strength. So I hope we see ourselves that way. No strength, nothing. So I pray that uh, you're a widow dead to the law. I pray that you're poor. We talked about a balance sheet before. We can have, have a lot of things. I've got spiritual life. I have a certain amount of knowledge, not as much as I want. But I've got, I've got some things. I've got some things I'll put over here as assets. But I go over here and what do I owe? <laughs> I owe the Lord for everything. So what, what do I have? I'm poor. I have nothing. My riches are in the Lord. So I, I pray that we're poor and you owe the Lord for all. I, uh, I pray that you look at the characteristics of the Lord and you retain no strength, that your faith is 100% in Him. Not you taking the first step, not you holding on faith to the end, 100% to Him. I hope you're not lusting after that law that you're supposed to be dead to uh, and looking after that. And committing adultery against the Lord, I hope you're 100% faithful to the Lord, not 99-1. I pray that you cast all your existence before the Lord. And you have a broken heart and a contrite spirit. May the Lord bless the speaking of his word. We're dismissed.